Good evening, afternoon, morning, whenever you listen to this. Welcome to another episode of the Home and Body Improvement Show. If you haven't yet, go to CoachBots.com. Sign up for that damn newsletter. I'm tired of saying it. I need more subscribers. And, uh, you know, follow me on social media and stuff. Coach Pods the number one. Today, I'm just going to talk about a bunch of topics and give you my two cents because that's why you come here to find out what I have to say about everything. And again, enjoy this episode, Home and Body Improvement Show, number, episode number 44. doing this open body improvement show coming at you folks uh this is one of those days where i'm like mm, what do i want to talk about today i don't know what i'm gonna talk about do you guys do you have anything you want to talk about what's, what's your, you know a comedian is bombing at like a stand-up comedian set when they go to the audience and go so what else is going on like that's like <laughs> that's the telltale sign that you know you ever heard of you know, it's weird about stand-up comedy in, in particular that, like, that has all the terms that kind of, like, revolve around death. Like, if you did well, you killed. If you didn't do well, you bombed. Um, but that's yeah, because, well, the art of public speaking. But nonetheless, there's a couple things that, you know, you it's just, it, it's the same thing when you're having a conversation with somebody. If all you're talking about is the weather, the conversation stinks, okay? Uh, that's, you should do your best to get out of that. Uh, that's a lot of awkward first date topics. I don't know why people like to talk about the weather, but that's if that's all you're talking about is the weather, how the hell did we get on this topic anyway? Did I forget to take my medication? What's going on, folks? Home and Body Improvement Show, episode number 44. Coach Potts flying at you solo. Not because I want to, but mainly because I don't have a choice. No co-hosts. Can't I can't deal with them. I can't you can't contain this guy. Me? Like could you imagine putting up with me? It's just pfft, it's, you know, it's like trying to wrap your arms around an elephant. Like, it's just it's just too big, you know? My ego, that is. Just too gigantic. You can't get your arms fully around this guy. Um, you know, one thing I, I did think was kind of interesting, though, so I kind of just Googled topics. When did, you, when did Google become a verb? But anyway, uh, like, what are interesting topics in personal training? And I found this article. It was comes from, let's see what we got here, the PTDC, which is the Personal Training Department of Corrections. No, that's not it. Personal Trainers, the, the, I don't know what it stands for, the PTDC.com. And the title of the article was The 10 Most Controversial Topics in Exercise Science in 2021. And they gave 10 of them, obviously, because that's, they'd be lying if they didn't, you know. The article would just have to say the most controversial topics, not the 10 most controversial topics. Anyway, um, and they're actually interesting topics, and well, to me, because I kind of do this for a living, but uh, they may be to you as well, and I'm willing to kind of like set the clock and give you my two cents and blow through all ten of these, and um, that's it. That's going to be the show, so, you know, it could last 20 minutes. It could last five minutes. I don't know, you know. Are you, are you willing to strap in and go on this ride with me? That's, it's funny I say strap in and go on a ride because... I went out to a steakhouse for my 40th birthday, and it was a really fancy place in the South Loop, and I don't even want to tell you how much I paid for the steak, but actually I didn't pay my, everyone else paid for me, because it was my birthday, right? And uh, it was a I think it was like a tomahawk steak, or, well, long story short, which is not what I'm known for, but 
this waiter was just kind of like too much, you know? And believe me, I can appreciate a waiter who's like, you know, working for a tip and stuff. But like, I don't need you to entertain me. I am entertaining enough. I don't need some guy to like crack, you know, these stock jokes or, you know, keep the mood. I'm there with my friends. It's my birthday. We're already having a good time. I don't need you to like pour gasoline onto this forest fire that's already taking place. Like this forest fire of fun, if you will. It, this guy was just kind of a douche nozzle. Like, I hate to use that term because, and by the way, douche nozzle is the more politically correct term as opposed to douche bag. There's no bags and douches these days. But anyway, the point is, uh, he just wouldn't shut up and he kept going. And then, right, right as he served the meal, he said, Folks, I want you to look underneath your seats. And I thought we actually had to look underneath our seats. And he goes, Go ahead and grab that seatbelt and strap in because you're about to go for one hell of a ride. And he was talking about eating the meal, as if, like, eating the meal was a hell of a ride. It was just stupid. He's an idiot. I don't know who this guy is. I hope I never see him again. And even if I did, I probably wouldn't be able to pick him out of a lineup. But the point is, dude, if you're a waiter and you're going upon a table that's already having a great time, you don't need to steal the center of attention, man, okay? Like, there's a good chance if we're having a good time, you're going to get your tip anyway. So relax. It's the people that are, like, are kind of bummed out or on an awkward first date or, like, you know, that type of thing. That's, that's when you, hey, work, work it, you know, work your, work your table, man, do it, right? But I don't, I don't need you to come here and, and as opposed, and just assume that I need your brand of hilarity because I, I, my, my hilarity, the, the, the stuff I appreciate is, it's a very fine palate, like wine, if you will. Like I, I'm the sommelier of comedy. Like I literally, like there's only certain things that make me laugh because I've been around the game for so long that I know what comedy is. I don't need you, you know, with your stupid jokes that probably work on most people, but I just, you know what? The, I, I, I'm, I'm getting mad. I shouldn't because I'm thinking about my birthday. Maybe that's why I'm getting mad because I'm getting older. You know, did you notice that no matter how old you are today, that's the oldest you're ever going to be? And you're no matter how you look at it, you'll never be older than you are. Today. Okay, so the point is what I'm trying to say is I got 10 topics for the body improvement, but Let's talk a little bit about the home improvement. Um, I know that the uh, the host that used to be on this show, co-host, we won't even mention his name. We had talked about storage while for a while, but I put together a video that I made um, of me trying to store my Christmas tree, which is like eh, kind of boring, right? Well, I had two options. Well, three actually. I mean, the first one was take it back to my dad's place because he has a house and houses have storage, and that's just how it goes. Uh, kind of a pain, you know. He lives out in Indiana, and it's kind of a big tree. And you got to get the uh, the dolly, you know, put the seats down, you know, slide it in. It's not that it's too heavy. It's just kind of awkward. You got to tape down the box because it could very easily just, you know, end up on a sidewalk if you don't take the proper steps to move this tree. That's option one. Option two, which I don't even know if it's an option, but they do have storage in my basement. But this building in particular, I've seen it flood at least twice since I've been here. And you go down there, it has that musty, dank smell and dank is, I don't know if that's a smell or not, but you understand what I'm saying when I say it, right? It's just disgusting, moldy kind of, ugh. and so, you know, I guess if it was in properly sealed containers, which it's not, I just told you I had to tape it down. Um, I could do that, right? You know, just put it in the basement there, but my big fear is like I'd pull it out like Christmas time next year and all of a sudden it just smells like mold and I can't get rid of that smell. And I paid, you know, it doesn't matter how much I pay. The point is it costs money and I don't want to throw it away because, you know, just because I decided to be lazy and not take it to my dad's place. Or option number three, which is 
obviously the option I went with was I created my own space to uh, store this tree. But the way I did it was I needed two pieces of board um, or just two boards, if you will. And I just screwed it in and it sits up there perfect. You barely notice it. Um, so I made a video for it. I put it on, I'm going to put on the gram either tonight or tomorrow to kind of promote um, this episode. But then again, just judging by the way this episode is going so far, I hope no one listens. So if you're listening, God bless you, man, because I can't even tell you what's going to happen in the remaining portion of the show. It could just fizzle out, man. And then you could be like, oh, what, the 20, 25 minutes, I'll never be able to get that time back. You know, it's just like, dude, you know what, relax. If you had a podcast, I wouldn't be crapping all over it. So I don't need you. I don't need anything. Um, Well, that was a little bit of a tangent, huh? A little bit of a, geez, coach, are you all right, man? Do you need some help there? That's kind of how I feel most people view me after listening to this podcast. So uh, we're going to set the timer for, oh, this is a new computer. I'm going to put add new timer. Set it for two minutes. I got a two-minute timer going, right? Uh, every time I start the question, we'll hit the timer up. Bang. And then after that, um, we'll move on to the next one. Uh, I don't even know if this timer is going to make a noise at the end. It'll be kind of cool with me, like a little ding. I need to put more effort into this podcast. I really do. I get it, folks. I understand your frustration. Don't get me wrong. But, um, you know, life is like that sometimes. So here's your first topic. Flexibility versus mobility. And my thoughts go. Uh, the difference between flexibility and mobility is, I guess, the difference between, like, kicking your head above your head, which make you mobile, mobility, and then being able to, like, touch your chin to your shin, which is flexibility, right? Uh, in theory, there they are different flexibilities typically in a static state, mobility is in a, in a moving state. They're both important, but if I had to be, you know, quite frank, and why wouldn't I be, uh, mobility is more important in the sense that it's kind of cool to be able to like touch your toes and all that type of stuff and be able to hold it there. But like if you're falling, which is kind of when most people, you know, bust up their knees or tear a muscle or type of stuff, uh, flexibility, if it's in the wrong direction, isn't going to do much for you. But mobility uh, can. Now, there is also a point of too much. So being hypermobile is not a good thing. But that's the difference between if you notice anyone these days, when they warm up for a sporting event, they don't do it by holding stretches for, you know, 20, 30, 40 seconds. They do it by walking lunges, arm circles, leg kicks, all that type of stuff because mobility is more important and it translates better to daily life. That being said, I think it's cool if you can, like, you know, do the splits or do the standing splits, which is a kind of a yoga thing. Um, I want to be able to do that stuff. I want to be able to do side splits, front splits. I think we've talked about this. <laughs> talked, But uh, I think I've, I've talked about this. Uh, that stuff is cool. But it doesn't translate necessarily into uh, daily life. Mobility is definitely more important. So work on those things. Work on them often. Make sure that you're kind of warmed up when you do. And um, But I do want to be able to do the flexibility because it looks cool for Instagram. And that's basically why I um, do everything in my life is to look cool for Instagram. So, oh, 15 seconds left. Let's see what these experts had to say. Uh, you know what? I don't even like... I don't like. I don't even want to read it. I don't even like whoever their experts are. I don't like them already. I, if I could, I'd beat them up. Not that I can't beat them up. It's just that I just don't know who it is just yet. So, I think two minutes is too long. Yeah, we're gonna go ahead and reset this timer for a minute thirty. I think I should be able to get it done in a minute thirty, right? Kapa! There it is. Next one topic: corrective exercise versus shut up and lift. Go. 
Uh, there is a time and place to tell someone just to shut up and lift. And I don't know, because um, you can literally spend so much time talking about form and showing proper form and talking about the muscles that should be engaged and how to do this, that, and the other, and blah, 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 blah. And then there's this, man, we need to get through this. So my policy on this is I want to make sure that you're doing everything at 80% or better, but not much better. And my policy for that is why, if you're doing an 80% correct, the chances of you actually hurting yourself are pretty slim. I would say almost none. If you're doing 100% correct, there's a good chance that you're not going all out. And we know that you need to go all out because you have to stress the body in order to make the body better, yada, 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 right? But if you're only going like 50% correctness, there's a good chance it could uh, lend itself to energy. So, injury. Did I say energy? That doesn't make any sense. Uh, my policy on this is 80% correct. Uh, make sure that, because that's going to eliminate most injuries, and it's also going to help you uh, work hard still. You don't want to do everything 100% correct all the time. That's a minute 10. Damn, man, I'm just ripping through these, aren't I? You know what? Who are these experts? These experts are nobody. Um, let's see what they say. You know what? I'm just going to read their verdict. Verdict, half-heartedly subjecting a client to heavy lifting can put them at risk. Use exercise-specific assessments to find your client's best starting point for exercises like squats and deadlifts. Just don't claim you're identifying and correcting movement discussions. Okay, thank you. Oh, timer done. Um, I don't like that answer. I think that answer's stupid in the sense that they're saying you need to assess everybody, make sure they're doing everything correctly. You can get bogged down by doing everything correctly all the time. I remember getting into an argument with us. It was probably 77, 78-year-old man about the position on his hands when we were doing a chest press on one of the free motion machines. And he wanted his palms to face toward each other. I was like, well, let's do palms down. It'll work more chest. Well, how is my wrist supposed to be? Because I've been doing it this way for years. And I just it doesn't matter, man. Push. Chest press is a horizontal push. You know, let's put some weight on. Let's challenge yourself. Let's fire up those muscles. The wrist position in that at that particular time, doesn't really matter. And we literally, he didn't want to move forward until I could give him a reasonable explanation, and it kind of took away from the workout. So, whatever. Uh, third topic, compound versus isolation exercise. Three, two, one, and go. Uh, when, there's a time and place for both of those. If you're going to do both in a workout, obviously comp compound exercises should go first. Isolation exercises, I... I, I Honestly, we're first created from the bodybuilding community to help target lagging body parts. So, you know, if, if my, my quads were great but my calves weren't, I would separate those two. I would work the calves maybe twice as much just to trying to get them to catch up because I'm trying to build symmetry in the body. You know, same thing if, like, my lower lats and my upper lats or two different uh, sizes, or this didn't seem proportionally correct, you know, then I would target the upper lats or whatever one was lagging, right? Uh, compound movements as a whole are, translate more into life. That's why we refer to them more as being functional. So lifting objects off the ground, lifting objects above your head, you know, putting a jumping motion into some sort of exercise, that kind of stuff is going to help, you know, but if you're training for symmetry, if you're training for sexiness, you know, you want gigantic biceps, you're going to have to do a lot of bicep curls. That's just a fact. So you really need to identify, you know, what is your goal in life um, in terms of exercise, that is, and what will get you there the fastest. But if we're looking for the most bang for our buck, uh, how to get the quickest workout in the shortest period of time, compound exercises for sure. If you're going to do both of them, do compound first. Isolation exercises are only if you have a lot of time and you're really just 
working towards symmetry and essentially bodybuilding. Where's the time? Oh, there's that timer. Look at that go. Cool. Um, okay, this is annoying. So let's see what the verdict is. Prioritize compound lifts, of course, but there's no reason to exclude single joint exercises. Bicep curls and tricep extensions are classic examples of giving clients what they want while the aforementioned movements for the hamstrings and abductors give them what they need. Uh, this is funny because I'm not reading these verdicts before I'm telling you. This is kind of like a quiz in a way, right? But this is what personal trainers are taught. That's what I was always taught. Give them 80% of what they need and 20% of what they want. So we may do abs at some point in the session. Do I do abs for you during your session because I think you're going to walk away with a six-pack? Nope. I do them because I know you think that you're going to walk away with a six-pack, and that's why you came to a personal trainer in the first place. Um, I'm not saying abs or doing, you know, abs or crunches or anything like that are bad. Obviously, any exercise is good if it's done properly, but, you know, we're not going to... Abs are made in the kitchen. I can tell you that until you're blue in the face, but if we're not somehow working the abs during the session, you're going to walk away thinking, well, how am I going to get my six-pack? So there is that, and that's kind of what this verdict is saying. Um, although I feel like we we're in cahoots on that one. All right, moving on. Topic number four. This is kind of fun. This might be, end up being a... Uh, Maybe if I put a little more effort into this podcast, we could have more, you know, like better topics that are more interesting. I don't know. Um, topic four, bilateral versus unilateral lower body training. Uh, this is good. Um, bilateral essentially meaning that I'm training both legs at the same time and unilateral meaning I'm training one leg at the same time. So I guess a good example of that would be a squat would be a bilateral exercise. Unilateral would be uh, like a lunge, but although you are kind of using both legs. Um, maybe like a seated leg extension, but I'm only doing one leg at a time. If you remember the hammer strength machines, they were uh, unilateral machines because they weren't uh, connected, meaning like you did the left and right sides independent. They were still fixed axis machines, but you would use both arms or legs. You could do it at the same time. You could do one at a time. Uh, I think the question is, which one is better, I guess, bilateral versus unilateral? Again, it's the same thing. At no point in your life are you isolating one side of your body like your left leg and just using those muscles and nothing else right so we'll always do bilateral training squats lunges step up so i guess be unilateral we'll do those things we'll do like side lunges for instance our primary unilateral uh the reason we'll do those is because they're challenging uh because your body isn't used to them and again if you're doing exercises that your body's not used to it's going to respond better but bilateral is more functional meaning it translates to the real world unilateral is a great way to challenge the body. Uh, again, I would never say stuff like, you know, if this is clearly exercises that exist for a reason, so I'm not going to say unilateral is bad. It's just not as applicable in terms of functionality. Oh, look at that. Let's see what the verdict is on that one. That was kind of a tough one because I got to sit there and think about unilateral, bilateral, contralateral, ipsilateral. What, do you guys know what that means? Contralateral would be like using my left arm or my right leg, and ipsilateral would be like using my right arm and my right leg for exercises. Um, they'll focus on that for like athletes. Of course, when we, we call them gen pop, uh, general population doesn't need to worry about that kind of thing, but uh, athletes kind of do because when you're doing exercises like throwing a ball and stepping with a certain foot and doing all that type of thing, um, if we kind of mix it up a little bit, um, it kind of stresses it stresses the nervous system as well, and that's translate better into sports as opposed to just lifting weights for lifting weights' sake. Uh, you want the body and mind to work together, right? That's what hand-eye coordination all is. But let's see what the verdict on this uh, one is. 
A mix of unilateral and bilateral lower body training works well for most clients. One simple time-saving strategy is to include bilateral knee-dominant exercise and unilateral hip-dominant exercise in one session, then flip-flop for the next session. For example, you might do a bilateral squat and a single-leg Romanian deadlift in the first session, and the next one do a bilateral deadlift combined with a rear-elevated split squat. Yeah, that's that's what I said. Um, you know, I didn't really talk about um, the nervous system during my answer, but I did afterwards, so I'm practically a genius. Uh, let's go to no- topic number five. Ooh, this is a good one. Uh, and go. Moderate reps versus high reps and lower reps. Um, you know, should you stick in that 8 to 10, 12 rep range? Let's call that moderate reps. Should you go above 15 reps? Let's say that's high. Or should you stick with 5 reps and below, which is typically low? Um, obviously mix them up. But in the world of, let's say, training for training's sake, um, it's typically accepted that if you're working on strength, you want to work on five reps or lower exercises that challenge the body. Uh, if you want to work on hypertrophy or maximal muscle size, you want to train that 8 to 12 rep range. And if you want muscular endurance, you need to train on you know 15 or more. So I mix them up all the time. I will do as many push-ups as I possibly can, right, uh, just to see how many I can do. I'm over 50, by the way. Uh, I will also bench press um, as much as I possibly can, you know, for like a one rep max, two rep max, you know, even five rep max. And then primarily my working sets, meaning getting up to that point, will be somewhere between that 8 to 12 rep range. Uh, I'm not going to full exhaust in between that range. The reason I'm doing all those things is because I crave variety. So so do you, believe it or not. I don't have a specific goal. But if I were training for one of those things, like, for instance, how many push-ups could I possibly do in a minute or how much can I bench press, that's specific training and my training would reflect that. But I don't have those goals right now. And most people don't. So if you're training with me, we're going to be doing high, moderate, and low rep schemes for every exercise. Oh, look at that. Um, the reason, you know, we're going to switch it up too is because, like I said, your body creates variety. Uh, I will try to see how much you can do. I want to see how long you can do it. But for the most part, we're going to do exercises from like 8 to 10 to 12, probably no more than 12 reps. And I want to select a weight that you can at least do eight times, but you can't do more than 12 because that's how you get better. Um, but again, we'll work towards that. So for me, you know, it just depends. I I, I, guess, I think it just depends could be the answer to all these questions. But let's see what the verdict is. I'm actually a little, I think I nailed that one on the head, but let's see what they say. If a client's primary goal is hypertrophy, six to 12 rep range will always be the most convenient range. But if a client wants to maximize their muscular potential, some evidence suggests you should use a variety of rep ranges. Huh. See, this article is written for personal trainers, and they're kind of giving you a hard answer. Um, And I do understand what they're saying, too. Like, five or less reps works on strength. And I said eight to 12, but like, what about six and seven? Is that in no man's land? Okay, six to 12, then. Uh, Anything over 12. And I said, oh, above 15. Uh, And this is, well, between over 12. I understand, like, you know, uh, what they're saying. Um, But again, it depends on your goals. But if you came to me and you said, I don't care about anything else other than how much can I do a one rep max on squat? We're going to be doing a lot of sets in five and lower because that's what's going to help. And if you were like, I want, you know, sexy looking triceps, we're going to work on that eight to 12 rep range. That's just how I do stuff because that's how the body works. And I'm an expert. And that's why you came to me. Uh, here we go. Full body lifts versus direct core work. Ooh, this is an interesting one. Uh, let me give a little backstory and how I've interpreted all this. The core the, as a group like a muscle group, let's say, was essentially 
and this is my interpretation, it was essentially invented by fitness professionals in order to sell fitness products like BOSUs and the whole stability training and even core like uh, Pilates and Pilates reformers and all that type of stuff. Everybody became an expert in the core and understood the importance of the core by the time the fitness industry was done with them because it was just hammered down everyone's throat because they could no longer say, you know, let's train like bodybuilders like they did in the 70s and 80s and they needed a direction uh, to kind of flip it. Well, they've got a, kind of gotten away from that. And so now they're going toward full body lifts because uh, after the core kind of exhausted its, you know, popularity, now they're saying you should do Olympic lifts and you should do, you know, back squats and barbell stuff. And that's why CrossFit was like big for a long time. Um, I think you should do a variety of stuff. But again, start with the major muscle groups first. Um, we might do pre-exhaust sets. That's not a hard rule. We might start with a little bit of a core circuit and then jump into our other routines. Um, I stress variety, consistency, intensity, variety, and community, the itties. That's always been my mantra, so the CIV with a little C at the end. Um, but uh, which one should you do? I think full body lifts are always going to be better, and you do train the core indirectly anytime you're doing Olympic lifts anyway, which are considered to be the mother of all full body exercises. Time. Yeah. Uh, again, you know what? If you have a ab wheel that costs 15 bucks, you can get a really sexy person to start doing those ab wheel exercises on an infomercial and sell a bazillion ab wheels. And you can talk all day about the core and people will buy them because that's what people do. We are sheep and sometimes we're desperate and we see things like that and we want it. And so we buy it and we never use it. And that's uh, that. But in terms of like health, longevity, full body lifts will always be better. Now, that being said, Pilates is considered to be a core workout. It's considered to be the dancer's workout. Joe Pilates invented it, and he did it with the intention of working those muscles that are connected to the arms and legs. And so it is important to train those to have total control over your body, but to isolate those muscles, again, that's only for specific stuff for, like, dancers, right? Um but if someone's like super duper old, they're, gotta be, they're not going to be lifting heavy weights over their head. We might do small exercises that train a core just because. Uh, let's see what the verdict is. To supplement full body lifts, select a handful of exercises that work the core directly and address the client's needs and goals. This verdict essentially is just saying, do what the client wants for you know because they think they need it and because they probably want it. And um, it, it depends. That's what they're saying. Like I guess all these answers could be it depends. But... Um, yeah, full body lifts are king, and I wouldn't even say queen are like supplemental exercises are probably even lower on the list than that. But, you know, lagging body parts, you know, gives the client what they want, et cetera, so forth. Um, moving on. Topic number seven, core stability versus core flexion and or rotation. Go. Core stability versus core flexion and or rotation. Core stability would be like a bent arm plank that you hold forever. Uh, core flexion rotation would be you know, using your body in space. Um, so like, I think they call bird dogs when you're connecting your knee to your elbow and then, you know, straightening the arm and the leg, uh, that type of stuff. They're both important. Stop pretending like one's better than the other or more important than the other. Um, to be able to hold a bent arm plank is a, for like a minute or two is a pretty awesome thing to be able to do. It kind of just says to me that you are relatively fit to some degree, um, but muscles don't get better. Um, they only get better through range of motion, not by isolation. So if someone wants, like if I made you do an invisible chair against the wall, your quads would be sore. But in terms of how that translates to helping you as a human being to function, like to walk and run and you know walk upstairs and stuff, it doesn't translate at all. It just helps you 
be able to do invisible chairs against the wall. So core stability, I mean, same thing with the core. You know, you could do your bent arm planks all day long, but you should also be working the core through. Um, what I'm saying specifically is you're going to hit those muscles through range of motion, but it's also nice to work on the endurance and stuff because it fatigues the muscle and stressing the muscle out is how it inevitably improves. I'm going to call time on that one. I didn't like that one. Let's see what the verdict is. Train the course statically and dynamically for clients who can tolerate it. Just be smart about it. Build volume slowly and cautiously as you would with any other body part of your training program. That's a dumb verdict. That's literally a verdict that could apply to every single... I don't like this. Who is this author? Let's look this guy up real quick. Let's, uh, of course, they put the name at the end and not the beginning like they should. You know what? Yeah, it's there's no even author. It's to sell personal training. This is one of those like blogs that like, did you like this blog? Click on this link and buy this thousand dollar course, which is cool. That's how you sell courses, I guess. Um, but I would like to find who this client or this, because you know what this the, the bring up a key point too. A lot of these topics are arguable. My dog. I, sorry about that. Um, a lot of these topics are arguable. There's not much you can do in terms of like proving who's right and wrong because for the most part, most people are right. It has to do with an opinion, right? So if Bill Belichick goes against, I don't know, Andy Reid in the Super Bowl, which will never happen because they're both AFC teams, one has a philosophy on how the ball should be carried across the end zone and the other one has a philosophy on how it, sh it should be carried across the end zone. And that's just how it is, you know? And if you talk to both of them, you're probably going to get differing opinions about how it should be done. But that doesn't mean either one of them is wrong. So that's how a lot of these topics are. Uh, moving along. Topic number eight, traditional cardio versus metabolic resistance training. And go. Um, best bang for your buck, metabolic resistance training. Why? It's hard. Uh, it's shorter. So this would be your high interval, high-intensity high interval training. Um, I like that stuff a lot more because it's very easy for me to get bored on elliptical, let's say. That being said, uh, I just found the app Zwift, and I've been loving every second of it. So I will go on, like today, I did a spin class for about 30 minutes, 35 actually, and it was fun because I had the tunes on, I just kind of checked out, uh, I could see myself up on the screen racing people from around the world, and they also have a section where you sprint, and by the way, I came in 60th place out of 550 people who did it, so I usually try to get top 10%, but I'll take top 12% or whatever that is. Um, so traditional cardio works for some people, but I prefer to metabolic resistance training because I think it's harder, and I like that feeling of being completely ex exhausted by the time I'm done. Um, but that being said, you know, even when you're running and stuff, uh, you know, doing some sprinting, that's obviously going to stress the body out just as much as any metabolic resistance training could. Uh, switch it up. Switch it up often. But I prefer metabolic resistance training because I think uh, you don't need as much time to get um as much benefit as you would from a traditional cardio stuff. So swinging a sledgehammer, jumping on a box, doing wall balls, that type of stuff, metabolic resistance. Put them in combination with umpteen different exercises. Keep yourself from being bored. I feel like if you did that, you'd be in better shape than you ever would if you were just doing running or rowing or spinning. So that's that. Or aerobics, right? Aerobics would be considered traditional cardio as well. Jazzercise, Zumba. I got to... I just ran into an old friend from a long time ago via the... See, my generation's still on Facebook. And uh, she's a Zumba teacher in Arizona, so God bless her. But she's doing it via Zoom, which has got to be it's got to be brutal. Um, all right. We only got two more. I'm going to plow through this. I didn't think that this episode was going to be this long. Um, oh, jeez. Did I... Oh, I didn't read the verdict yet. 
Let's read the verdict on that one. Hold on. Hold on. My dog is going nuts here. Uh, the verdict. Metabolic resistance training with appropriate exercise selection can be both fun and beneficial for clients who are ready for it. But don't forget that traditional ca- cardio also offers health and conditioning benefits. If a client wants to do it in and out of the gym, include it in their program. That's a good point, too, because another thing, too, is it's like if some of these exercises are complicated, I probably don't want you doing those on your own. So I may we may leave the running, rowing, cycling, whatever, you know, something that you could pop in a tape and follow along, pop in a tape. How old am I? Watch on YouTube and follow along for your, the days that you're not meeting with me, right? Because that's easily prescribed. And then you and I will do the resistance training, metabolic training, high-intensity stuff. and Because you're doing it under supervision of a professional, me. And so there's less likely of a chance of you getting hurt. So there you go. Number nine is kind of interesting in a sense. Oh, it's... And here we go. Interval training versus steady-state cardio. Um, they both have their time and place, obviously. I've been taught that if you're trying, well, it it depends what your goals are. And I'll tell you, about 99% of the people I know want to burn more fat, right? So if you're doing interval training, uh, you want to jack the heart rate up and then you want to let it rest. And then you want to continue to do that for however many intervals. That's supposed to torch fat is a word we like to use because people like to hear things like that. And then also steady state cardio. If you stay around that 65% uh, heart rate, uh, it's supposed to burn primarily fat as an energy source and not muscle. Uh, any more than that, 75, even 85, it's supposed, it's going to start chewing away at that muscle. Um, that can be disproven pretty easily from what I understand, heart rate training at a steady state. Um, but I kind of adhere to those principles. Um, I've actually done more CrossFit-style workout where you really do the interval stuff, but you don't really rest you know, that much. Um, again, it really depends on someone's comfort level but if they're on their own, I would tell them to do the steady state cardio. If they're with me, we're doing more interval stuff. The interval stuff could potentially backfire. You could get rhabdo or you could get dizzy. You could get nauseous. Uh, you're probably not going to do that during steady state cardio. So I would say the more advanced you are, meaning you've worked out for three months or more, let's say, uh, you definitely want to work interval training into it. Uh, if you're not that advanced, stick with the steady state. But even if you are advanced, don't neglect the steady state cardio. It's good for you. It's good primarily for the heart. Um, that's another thing too, is when we talk about training the body as a whole, you know, there's your muscles, there's your mind, and then there's your heart, right? And so we want to train all three. So if I'm doing elliptical, it's probably not doing much for my muscles. It's definitely not doing anything for my mind because I don't have to think in order to do the elliptical, but it does train the heart, right? And the heart is a muscle. And, you know, if we're trying to cardiovascular disease is one of the top killers in this country, if not the world. So, you know, if I want to continue to enjoy my jelly beans, which in, you know, ice cream sandwiches and whatever the hell people eat in order to make themselves happy, uh, you got to do some cardio because it's going to help, you know, with the heart disease. Although not eating crappy foods or smoking or being under a lot of stress would help with those things as well. Actually, much probably much more than exercise ever would. But nonetheless, just like any other muscle, it needs to be trained. It needs to be trained properly. Uh, and steady state cardio will get you there, you know. Interval training is more for variety and for fun. If you think doing burpees is fun. Uh, Let's see what the verdict is. Interval training and steady state cardio both burn calories and increase cardiovascular fitness. Ideally, clients will do some of both. But if they prefer one or the other, encourage them to increase the intensity and or duration in a progressive way. That's a dumb answer. That's literally like, ugh. We'll do both. And that'll be. And just ask the client and we'll figure it out. Uh, That's what they teach you in personal training school, you know. Sorry that I give away all the secrets. Last one because I want to go watch. I'm watching a doc, another documentary. It's the one about Woody Allen. 
It's on HBO Max. Um, can't say it's the greatest topic because Woody Allen's uh, obviously a psycho pig, but before I knew he was a psycho pig, I actually uh, really enjoyed his movie. So kind of interesting. And the documentary is really well done. I will watch a documentary that's really well done as opposed to a documentary about a topic that I'm really interested in. I just can't watch bad documentaries anymore, man. I'm sorry. The genres just evolved too much. But here's the last topic. Advanced monitoring technique versus the feel method. I don't exactly know where they're going with this. Um, oh, I mean, I guess one example would be heart rate training. You know, if I'm wearing my Apple Watch or my Polar heart rate strap and I have, you know, the numbers on the screen versus, like, am I super tired? We used to say um, the RPE, the rate of perceived exertion. It was always on a scale of 1 to 10. And we used to tell, you know, anybody approaching like an 8, 9, or 10, just slow down. It's not worth it, right? But you definitely want to be going at least a 5, 6, or 7. You know, if we're doing a 1, 2, or 3, we're not getting anything out of this exercise. And then 4, that's no man's land. Um, 4 is just enough to get your blood pumping and body moving. So uh, which one is better? I I would say probably, well, it depends on if someone's in great shape, it can be deceiving because they might not feel like their heart rate is through the roof because they're used to their heart rate being through the roof. And, you know, oh, man, the time's already up on this one. And I kind of have to expound upon it because I don't want anyone walking away thinking, you know, I'm telling them the wrong thing. I love when my clients wear heart rate monitors and I purchased um, software to be able to do that. So if someone is a client of mine, I encourage them to wear either an Apple Watch or a heart rate strap and we will put their heart rate up on the screen. Why? Well, I went to an Orange Theory class and that's how they did it and people love Orange Theory. And I kind of like doing it because um, there's no ambiguity in terms of like rest. So like if we do something that's pretty challenging, which we will do if you're in one of my sessions, um, I will also allow you an opportunity to rest. So I'll, I'll say something to the, the, to the effect of we're going to rest for two minutes or wait for your heart rate to get down to 75%, whichever one takes longer. Um, you know, and that's because we're trying to err on the safe side. And if someone's like, no, no, I'm ready to go. And I look up and their heart rate is still like in the 85, 90% range. It's like, no, 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 we're going to chill for a second. Um, and there's a couple of things you can do to help get the heart rate down. Like, you know, sitting down or putting your hand up against the wall or drinking of water just automatically cools the system and allows the heart rate to drop. But some people, unbeknownst to me, will have a heart condition known as tachycardia, which means their heart rate gets artificially high in a hurry. And if I don't monitor their heart rate, then there's no way to, for me to know um, that they suffer from that condition. They may not know, right? And then all of a sudden, you know, they're going to have a heart attack right in front of you. And, you know, I got to pull out the AED and the paddles and, you know, clear, you know, do one of those. And then call 911 and all of a sudden it's in front of my gym. It's really bad publicity when you have an ambulance outside of your gym. So um, the field method is important, but so is advanced monitoring techniques. And believe me, when we say advanced monitoring techniques, they're not that it, like, I mean, they're pretty commonplace these days, you know? Heart rate training has is, been around for a long time, but, like, the accessibility, the fact that you can do it on your watch and not even need a heart rate strap these days uh, is fantastic. And, in fact, they got it smart and they started building armbands, which are a little less invasive. You know, it's always, like, embarrassing, too, for, like, sometimes for females when you're like, well, I'll put this heart rate strap on. You got to put it right underneath your bra, you know? And they're, like, and then lifting their shirt up. And you're like, uh, you know, like, maybe go to the bathroom and do that. You know, it's, it's, it just takes time. Um the heart rate straps that people like, just put it on your, uh, it actually goes on your forearm, you know? So, um, yeah, I, I like both. Um, and I, I'm ideally, you know, why wouldn't you take, you know, the most, the, the most scientific way to do it, the best way to do it, obviously to have a monitor, not just by how someone feels, but, um, 
when it comes to someone's health and like pushing them to their limits, you're going to want the best way to do it, right? So wear a heart rate strap, you know, it, it, have something that potentially will save your life, not just like, nah, I think I'm working hard. I don't know. Uh, very, I'd say it's in comparison of somebody, the, the two scenarios where someone's working too hard and doesn't know it versus somebody who's not working hard enough and is kind of sandbagging and pretending like they're working hard. The second one happens a lot less than the first. Somebody usually will push themselves to their limits as opposed to the person who doesn't work hard enough. So, uh, verdict, a simple device that counts steps and measures heart rate is happy medium for most of the general population. Well, there you go. So, I don't like this. It's not that I'm against, like, the personal training world. It's just that I've been personal training for long enough that I've formed my own opinions. And a lot of this is good fodder for someone who's starting out in the industry and they just need something to read while on the toilet. But, you know, the... the you're, you're going to, the experience will always be the best teacher. And once you've been doing this for long enough, you can form your own opinions. And that's essentially what people are paying for, right? Is your opinions or your philosophy, your techniques when it comes to doing, you know, the objective goals that everyone has, which is to lose fat and get in better shape. Everyone has those goals. I don't, you know, everyone wants to lose some weight and get in shape. There's no, I don't know anybody that doesn't. Occasionally you'll get somebody who, you know, is, I don't know, super skinny or bulimic and, just wants to put weight on or just put some muscle on, but those are very far and few between, or few and far between, depending on if you're, you know, picky about your sayings. Anyway, that's way longer than I anticipated going, so I hope you enjoyed the super duper long show. I'm gonna, I say I'm gonna put more effort into these, but there's a good chance I won't. But if you're still awake, that's awesome. Thank you for making it to the end of this. Again, I wouldn't have to do this if you guys sent me questions. Andy at CoachPots.com. Sign up for that newsletter. And I guess we'll just see you next time. Episode 45 will be next week. Yay! Take care.